and you feel like wow this is such common sense but i'm really really glad that somebody is telling me about it so um the chapter for today is called belonging and um it's it's subtitled from me to we and I just uh, remember before I uh, get started on this, that um, uh, my kids were really inspired by an organization that was called From Me To We. And uh, when they were at um, uh, high school, they did a lot of work uh, for Habitat, um, Oh, I've forgotten the name of it now, but anyway, it uh, is an organization to build houses for people less fortunate than yourselves as volunteers. And uh, so this brought back all sorts of memories when I uh, saw this title. However, now I'm going to read you a little story. From this day on, he shouted, words like I, me, my will no longer be in your vocabulary. They will be replaced with words like we, together, and us. This is how it begins. George's mind raced. He was completely confident when he decided to go, but now he was actually there, he felt he had made the biggest mistake of his life. But it didn't matter now. Any thoughts he had about what he could have done or should have done would be interrupted by some... he may have felt before were instantly replaced by feelings of stress, isolation, and helplessness. George was part of a process that has happened to thousands of times before him and will continue countless times after him. A process honed by years of trial and error, the process of transforming someone into a United States Marine. It starts in the wee hours of the morning when a new group of recruits, tired and disoriented, arrive The recruits are greeted by red-faced drill instructors, their voices permanently hoarse from years of straining their vocal cords who quickly make it abundantly clear who's in charge. Here's a hint, it's not the recruits. 13 grueling weeks later, each Marine will be given their eagle, globe and anchor pin, the symbol that they have completed the process and earned their place inside the organization. Many will grasp the pin tightly in their fist and feel a pride so intense it will bring them to tears. 
When they arrived at boot camp, each recruit felt insecure and responsible only for themselves. Upon leaving and responsibility for their fellow Marines and a certainty that their fellow Marines feel the same for them. As I was reading this uh, yesterday, I was reminded of my brother. Um, when my brother was 16, uh, he was very overweight. Um, he, he had left school. Uh, he didn't really know what he wanted to do. And so uh, he joined the Navy in the UK. And um, 15 weeks, what a transformation. I mean, he came back slimline, fit, uh, ready for action, and with a totally different mindset. And I know that the Royal Navy in the UK is not the Marines, uh, but um, I, I've seen it happen, the transformation of somebody in such a short time. So the feeling that the Marines engender in their people is a feeling of belonging, a feeling of being part of something that's bigger than them. It dramatically um, gives them a sense of shared values and empathy. And uh, what happens is all their trust, cooperation and problem solving drastically increase. They're much better able to face the external dangers that they may come up against because they are equipped with the knowledge that they are within a safety circle. And this, um, this circle of safety is what keeps them strong. So I have a, a little uh, fable from Aesop to read you, which um, will illustrate it in a very um, obvious way. A lion used to prowl about a field in which four oxen used to dwell. Many a time he tried to attack them, but whenever he came near them, they turned their tails into each other so that whichever way he approached them, he was confronted by the horns of one or another. At last, however, they fell out. They had a quarreling amongst themselves and each went off to pasture alone in a separate corner of the field. Then the lion attacked them one by one and soon made an end of all four. And I mean, it's a pretty gruesome tale as a lot of Aesop's tales are, but I think the, uh, the message is very clear that we're much stronger when, when we are united. So, um, in a Marine's training, they don't get, just get training in fitness, in running, in strength. They get training in team building, in working together, in being able to rely on each other in different situations. They are taught to put the team before themselves. The individual is less important. The team is what counts. And a safe circle means protection for all from the outside. So how do we relate that to our everyday life in the way that we're living? 
Well, the world, unfortunately, is filled with danger. We might not like it, we might not accept it, but it's true. Because everywhere we turn, there is someone or something that is going to challenge us in some ways and maybe put up those barriers of, um, of feeling unsafe. So, um, in ancient times, back in caveman times, the, the dangers were pretty obvious, like the saber-toothed tiger. Um, you also had, you know, searching for food and perhaps the lack of food. What, whatever the weather did would determine your level of safety. And, you know, just a general lack of resources. So, of course, we don't have to face, thank goodness, the saber-toothed tiger, but we might have to face a competitor in the workplace. We might have to face even an individual in our own workplace. But, you know, if we look at the collective of a company, I mean, all companies are constantly bombarded with what other people are doing to make them better and maybe make them better than you. Um, you, you're constantly bombarded with advertising. You also have the stock market, which at best seems fickle, at worst is a danger because suddenly your company that was super, super uh, strong, the stock market decides that it isn't anymore. And of course, you know, in the workplace, uh, in a company situation, there's the stress of expectation. What is going to happen when we release the next new product? Or, you know, how is it going to go on the market? Inside companies, there are stresses as well. Like if a company isn't doing well, you're going to have the problem of layoffs. You're going to have internal politics. You're going to have individualism, where somebody is much more concerned about themselves than they are about the collective good. And, you know, you could end up with a terrible boss. And in that situation, that, that is a, and I can vouch for that, is a daily stress. And you begin to lose your value of self-worth. So a good leader is a leader that makes those things go away. He makes the environment or she makes the environment safe. She gives people the sense of belonging. I mean, we know at Les Diamond, we all have a sense of belonging if we choose to, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's your choice. But there's an incredible sense of belonging to a big organization. And the culture needs to be set up on values and beliefs. And what we do as a company, as a leader, is we set up our own circle of safety. And you know what happens? It's like a transformation. As soon as people feel that they're safe, oh my goodness, productivity increases. You find that everybody is working together. We have a collective goal. Synergy happens. And we seize the opportunities rather than being afraid of the changes. And, you know, for me, that is like such an important point. Like when we have a change, do you look at it as a change as something to be feared 
or as an opportunity. And that can all be controlled by a leader. So if there's no safety circle, people worry about themselves, they will attack other people so that not literally, but verbally, so that they feel that they're stronger. Um, and, you know, I'll just leave this section <coughs> reminding you of the Spartans. Remember the Spartans? They were a ferocious, courageous, strong army. And, you know, in that army, practically everything would be excused. They would be excused if they lost their helmet, if they lost their breastplate, if they lost their sword. But the one thing that they would never be excused for is, leave, is losing their shield. And that was like the biggest crime in a, a war situation. And why? Because a warrior carries helmet and breastplate for his own protection. But his shield is for the safety of the line. So, you know, by losing the shield, the uh, Spartans were putting other people at risk. The strength and endurance of a company comes from how people pull together. When it's tough, can they pull together or do they separate? How people in a group maintain their circle of safety is the leader's role. Premier role of leadership, to look out for those inside their circle. And to explain to you in much more detail than, than I have given you, I've given you the nice woolly feeling about what it is to have a safety circle. I'm going to leave the technicalities of how to build a safety circle to Marie-Pierre. Over to you, Marie-Pierre. Thank you, Rani. And just before I start, I want to make sure that everyone shared the podcast this morning. So if you haven't shared, that's the time to do it. So uh, make sure that if you are on Podbean, it gives you more heart. So at the end of the month, you have more chance in the draw for the conditioning program. And if you are on Facebook, always add a comment with your share so people will know why they should listen to the podcast every morning. So yes, there are some strategy that we can use to move from me to we because it's a challenge that all common it's a common talent management challenge that how do we create that sense of we in our organization because like melanie said all companies everywhere in the world we are all surrounded by danger like just being under pressure to cut costs and increase revenue all companies is the same thing so this issue is beyond engagement it is a question of unity or how do we create the feeling that we are all in this together so there's eight practical strategies that you can use to create the, the that we in your organization so number one it's bring teams together to facilitate knowledge sharing so uh, you can have a monthly session for all your team members to come forward and share what they learn from their fellow team member and appreciate it in the uh, in the open forum so just the team are highly independent interdependent and taking people out of their individual teams and bringing them together to focus on knowledge sharing creates an increased awareness of how team each team impact the other so they are gaining a larger sense of we 
be on their job and their own team. So have a facilitated and knowledge sharing. Number two is to create dialogue sessions to discuss business issues and challenges. So we always know that if we are part of the uh, solution, we want to be um, to be in charge of that. So it does it doesn't mean to just uh, include your people in the platitude of the business, but it's really about what is happening and why. So significant time to develop a, a dialogue where your team member and leaders will share pr perspective in some. And in some cases, personal feeling about passion, your fears, and concern opportunities, especially during challenging times. So this involvement and education will leave your team member feeling part of the team because, yes, they are part of the team. Number three is to let the team member select those who join the team. So <laughs> we all seen that we have excellent results in the power of a small team when we are focused on a specific goal. So the key uh, there to the success is creating a true team, a team where each member is helping the other member succeed. So you can create just a unique selection process where the team member interview and select their new teammate and will create a true commitment to each other. For us, I remember, I think it's four years ago, we were starting on social media. Oh, it was the beginning. <laughs> and yes, we created a small group. At the beginning, we were only two. And after that, we were three. And after that, we were four to create that uh, <laughs> social media team. But everyone was okay with, okay, this team member can be included with uh, in our team. So everyone was really happy with who joined the team. Number four, it's talk in terms of we, us, and team. So as a team leader, your words make a huge difference. So how you talk about the team will impact your team. Number five, it's get together face to face. Yes, virtual communication <laughs> is great, but it only goes so far. So to create a deep sense of team, you need to meet the whole physical person. This doesn't mean that everyone needs to meet everyone else, but people who work together will feel more united as part of the same team when they actually meet. So people feel more connected and build stronger relationship, which then enable higher productivity back in the office. Number six is push information out. So sharing wins, sharing ideas, sharing the best practices. It's sometimes via email, sometimes it can be a personal phone call, but just keep your people feeling in the loop. Number seven, it's involve the team in setting organizational direction. So most of us know the old adage, people are committed to solution they develop. Just like with kids, if they are <laughs> cutting the carrots for the, <laughs> the supper, yes, they will be so much um, happier to eat the, the meal. So it's the same thing with the, our people. So if they are part of it, they will be committed to the solution. This is particularly true when you are a new leader and team members are uh, uh, everywhere in the world that you cannot see them every day. Number eight is to rotate responsibility across the team. 
and they explain it with a beautiful example. So there's an example of uh, an agency in New York City and they wanted to improve their teamwork and they realized that their one problem was their weekly team meeting. So the leader felt that the team was not taking initiative, the team felt like the leader was overbearing, and a simple approach they came up with was to share responsibility. So each of the six leaders takes a turn at gathering the issue that needs to be addressed at the meeting. They also rotate the, the minute taking. This simple process has dramatically improved the success of the meeting. It is no longer thought as her meeting, but as morphed into our meeting. So being part of the team is something that people can feel, can sense and feel. You can't demand it or, and, or enforce it. It has to happen organically and come from the people. So with these eight strategies that will help to create that environment where people will feel that they are part of something larger than themselves and increase their level of commitment to your organization. And after that, we, we found an article from Harvard that is really good, but it's to create that sense of we, uh, to help new leaders to create the sense of we. Because yes, you can do all those things, those eight strategies for your organization. But if you want to help your new leader to create that sense of we in her organization, yes, there's some point that you can help them with. So there's six points you can help them. First is to assign a mentor. So make sure that yes, your new leader has a mentor. Number two, is showing them how they are perceived by their reports. Number three, it's tying key management metric to pay and promotion. For us, it's really easy. That's what we <laughs> have already in an MLM. <laughs> Number four, is to focusing discussion on team members' effort. Number five is helping them see the bigger picture. And number six is modeling appropriate behavior. So you can be a mentor by example, but remember that the first one is to make sure that your new leader has a mentor. So if it's not you, to have someone that yes, can be a mentor for that new leader so they can still grow their business so they can achieve more. So that's how you can help your new leader to create that sense of we that we want to do first for our organization. But after that, we can help new leader to do it too. So I will let Melanie just close the podcast for this morning. Okay. Well, you gave me lots of food for thought, um, Marie-Pierre, because uh, last night, um, when Maria told us she wouldn't be able to be here this morning, she said, Melanie, you're going to have to close. So what are you going to close on? So I said, you know, I like to listen to what Marie Pierre says, because it always inspires me. And this morning is no mistake, no, no different. Because one of the things uh, you talked about, uh, Marie Pierre, was seeing the big picture, right? The big picture. For me, that is often the key to leadership uh, success. Yes, you have to work with the team, but, but the big picture 
um, is something that I have been so frustrated about in my past when I have been part of a team which is, you know, on a teacher parent committee. Now, I don't know if any of the rest of you out there have ever uh, um, done that, but I'm the sort of person, yes, Dorothy, thank you. I'm the sort of person that whenever there's anything to do, my hand goes up and I volunteer. So I go with lots of ideas about how things could work out for this amazing group of women, usually women anyway, only to find that they're only there because they want to further the advantages of their individual child. And if you have a lot of people in a committee, and I'm sure a lot of you out there are thinking, oh yeah, I know what she means. If you, if you are out there and you're thinking to yourself, oh yeah, I remember that. And um, it is, as a leader, the most frustrating um, part of trying to pull together a team, getting people to look at the big picture. What is the collective good? And of course, as a leader, the way that you get to that collective good, which business has many more privileges than volunteers, because in a business you can choose the people and the team can choose the people. In a volunteer situation, you basically have to take what you can get because there are not many people that volunteer. And you end up with a mismatch of people who are not able to pull together as a team. And in the end, that sort of situation means there's no circle of safety. And the, uh, the, the advancement of the school or the, the um, home and school association, whatever, doesn't happen. And you find that each year you're discussing the same problems, right? And uh, so for me, that, that was illuminating. I love um, the eight points that Marie-Pierre brought up. Uh, the fact that now COVID has gone, we can start to come together to do actual activities, to go to Cancun, to, um, I mean, I'm really, really hoping that a lot of people will choose to go to Jubilee, which is one of our MLMs. Uh, big events in the summer where we actually get to meet people face to face, maybe for the first time. So um, if people feel part of something, if people feel they belong to something, they will have an ownership. And in having an ownership, they will protect it and they will do the very best to advance the um, the themes and the values of that group. So are you creating a sense of belonging for the people that are around you? And I would like to leave uh, the podcast this morning there and say, uh, have a fantastic day, everybody. It's a day of excitement, a day, a new day, because our MLM starts a new month. And rather than thinking, oh my goodness, I'm back to zero. I'm so excited to, uh, to get to work and create this sense of belonging for everybody around me. So thank you very much, Mary-Pierre, and uh, good, goodbye, everyone. See you tomorrow.